and welcome to the 39th episode of Total Pop Mode, your weekly gaming podcast. My name is Will, and I also go by Hoodafunk, and I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow gaming enthusiast, James, aka Mr. Bames. What's going on, you positively potent pronghorns? Coming up this episode, we've got our regular games catch-up, followed by a rampantly speculative gaming news section, before we round out the episode with a new mystery game as part of Completionist's Corner. But before all of that, let's move on to the socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pop Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthrough stream highlights as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. And whilst you're there, you can find me at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. And you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash hoodafunk. Well, James, it's been a pretty busy week for me. I actually had my birthday this week, as you well know. So I really didn't get around to playing hardly any video games at all, disappointingly. I'm hoping to get around to a lot more of that this weekend, what with an upcoming release that we'll be talking about later. I wonder what that could be. But I think for the time being, it's time to hand this one over to you, buddy. Take it away. No problem, man. So I'll start things off with the quickest update, which is what feels like forever ago now. I just dusted off Dark Souls 1, my second playthrough. Ah, yes. The old classics. The old classics. There's not really too much point going into it too much because it was embarrassingly easy with that um, Black Knight Greatsword that we discussed. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had two bosses of DLC left and then the final boss. Some of the more difficult bosses as well. So, uh, yeah, that definitely says something there in terms of using that sword. It was ridiculous. It was just so good. Um, I then went back in New Game Plus for a little bit just to pick up a couple of loose achievements, but nothing really new to report there. And similar to with Elden Ring, when I finished my second playthrough of that, I was thinking I'm not quite ready to be done with the Souls-likes, you know. But I didn't want to jump straight into Dark Souls 2 because you and I are probably going to play that at some point. Yeah, so most definitely. That. Still not done with the Souls-likes, given that, uh, you know, maybe a little pre-hint of our Completionist Corner this week is we actually got into another Soul-like as well. But you're uh, champing at the bit for them, are you? A little bit. I'm just in that sort of zone. And I thought to myself, well, if I'm not going to play Dark Souls 2 or Dark Souls 3... Because I did consider Dark Souls 3 as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I went to a game called The Surge, which I don't know if you've heard of The Surge. I have actually. I've seen quite a bit of gameplay. It does look very fun. But does it hold up in terms of Souls-like? Is it uh, just as good and crunchy as the gameplay makes it seem? So it isn't bad, but it would probably be much better if I hadn't played it straight after Dark Souls. Yep. Do you know yeah, what I mean? fine. Yeah, that's always going to be a tough comparison. Yeah, so I had a bit of fun with it. I only played it for a couple of days, really. Um got further than i've ever gotten in it before i have tried to play the surge once before and i've tried to play the surge 2 once before as well sure thing oh i didn't know there was a sequel yeah 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 and uh, they're both pretty good games but there's just not quite enough in there to have kept me going for whatever reason fine i know the reason that i'm stopping this time is because there's an enemy that was annoying me oh right like this a mob enemy. For rage quit reason is no, it? no no not rage quit <laughs> just like it was just in my opinion it takes way too many hits to beat considering where i am in the game like sure i'm quite thing. early right. game and these enemies are i'm probably doing it wrong there's probably a really easy way to do it but because most of the enemies are robots right right yeah and these particular robots are just 
obscenely powerful like not powerful but tanky i was just like i don't like this game enough to be asked with this right now one of those sort of quits you know <laughs> yeah but the other thing that i've played this week which i've sort of been holding off playing um it did get fairly slated on release for being a buggy mess oh dear i finally bit the bullet though and i bought ea sports pga tour oh right okay okay we've talked a little bit about your penchant for golf games on the pod before Important question, what happens when you knock the golf ball into the crowd? Yes, I knew you'd ask this. (laughs) I need the information, James. And I am pleased to announce. (laughs) Oh my god. Whilst you can't knock people over, which is a shame, (laughs) if you do hit them, the ball knocks off them. It doesn't just go through them. Oh right, so there is there is actually some impact. Yes. Excellent. Okay, that's good. So that's something at least. That's a start. Yeah, but you do that, but they don't react. They still clap as if it's a good shot. Oh, that's weird. Because, I mean, you can hit bad shots in golf. Why would they clap regardless? That's the thing. And they always clap. And your player will always celebrate. <laughs> like, even if he's just gotten, like, a really shitty par, he'll, like, celebrate as if he's won the tournament. That's very odd. James, it sounds like we've gone a long way to go until we see Mortal Kombat X-Ray-style golf ball to the eye socket animations. A little bit of time before that, but hopefully not too long. It's a step in the right direction, at least. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. But I am pleased to announce that this game, for me at least, runs pretty well. I've had one crash, which was, I think, you know those sort of crashes you get sometimes where you menu too quickly? Oh, fine. It was one of them, not actual gameplay crash, so I was okay with it. It's not perfect there are definitely issues with it you can make your putting animation bug out if you do it too quickly and your guy will just okay. tee, like it's not a tee pose but he's in the start of the putting animation just doing nothing but then the ball will move you'll get all the sounds and stuff oh right so you can like break it sort of but it still all works and as a golf simulator it's very very good it's definitely better than the 2k games that I'd been playing previously. I take it it's got loads of modern recognisable golf courses and oh, yeah, regular golf works. players as well. It has. Is Woods on the roster? Woods is not on the roster. He signed the 2K deal for uh, 2K23, so he wasn't going to be in this one. Fine. And okay. most of the PGA Tour professionals they have are no longer on the PGA Tour. They now play for the Live Tour, which is quite awkward. But it's still it's a stacked roster. They've got the voice of Sir Nick Faldo in the game, like doing like the intro sort of cutscene. Cool. So for golf fans, definitely a recognisable figure and a recognisable voice in the game. That sounds cool. Had he featured in previous titles, or was that a new addition for this one? Not that I'm aware of. Not, I mean, obviously, yeah, I haven't done a golf game in eight years, I don't think. I think 2015 was the last one. I could be wrong on that, but it's definitely a long time ago. But they haven't lost their touch. It's still got all the cool things the old ones had. Uh, the power boost on the driver's back, being able to control your spin after you've hit the ball, good times. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, more video gamey stuff. Yeah, but it's also still maintained like quite a realistic simulation feel. Mm, mm. Um, probably not as realistic as um, the 2K games and um, the golf club games, but very good, very happy with it. Uh, what about the character creator? Is there a character oh, creator? thank you for reminding me. <laughs> I, I'd clearly been p- putting it to the back of my mind. The character creator is the biggest catastrophe this game has. It's garbage. Is it really? Yeah. That's- you can't actually edit your face it's set faces oh can't you you just pick faces yeah. and then that's it right right what about clothes and hairstyles things? and clothes are pretty good like they actually have a top knot now that i've cut all my hair off they actually finally put a top <laughs> knot in the game that works so they're good times but yeah no it's uh it's the character creators is a disgrace Thank you for reminding me of that. I'd obviously blanked that out because it's so <laughs> awful. And, oh, and another thing that probably is a bit of a spoiler, we're going to talk about an excellent character to create later in the show. So we're really like giving we'll them the breadcrumbs. Yeah, today, this we? is a breadcrumbs of uh, information up to what we'll actually be playing later on this episode. Oh my goodness, we're, we're such teasers. But yeah, no, it's a very good time EA Sports. I look forward to playing it more. 
but here's just a golf simulator not much more to talk about than that really fair enough yeah no well uh, i'm looking forward to hearing about uh the developments as we work our way towards more violent golf animations to the audience members hell yeah Okay, James, uh, as I said, I'm kind of really, really grasping at straws here for my catch-up, so I think uh, it's time that we hastily move on to the gaming news. So our first article, just over a week ago, a 4chan user claimed to have information on a newly leaked FromSoft title called Spellbound. Ah, 4chan, the famously accurate reporting site. The gossip-mongering, rumour-leaking <laughs> goddamn warlord. To be fair, some shit comes out of 4chan, so fair. Absolutely, yeah. It's kind of like a real mixed bag there, whether you can sort of trust this, given the, the majority of 4chan rumours have no source to speak of whatsoever. Yeah. However, you know, we can't ignore the fact that it has accurately represented and leaked things in the past. Exactly. So it's a, it's a mixed bag there. So, last week, we gave FromSoft's upcoming title, Armored Core Fires of Rubicon, a quick mention, now with a confirmed release date of the 25th of August, 2023. It was definitely, however, not on my bingo card for this week's gaming news section that we'll be talking about another rumoured FromSoft release. But here we are. It's important to bear in mind that this is a rumour, as I mentioned before, coming from 4chan and obviously doesn't have any confirmed source. However, years ago information for Elden Ring was leaked in a very similar fashion on the same forum and was of course met with plenty of speculation and scepticism at the time. So just over a week ago, a 4chan user made a now deleted post on the internet forum that reads... In quotes, From Software's next game after Armor Core 6 will be called Spellbound, and is due to be released in quarter 1, 2025. The game might get a short few second long teaser during the Game Awards 2023, but its first proper trailer will be shown in summer 2024. And then it goes on to list a few things about the game, as well as some further play gameplay details. I'll just list out a few of the more interesting ones now. The game has actually been in development since mid-2021, the game uh, has been confirmed to be directed by Hidetake Miyazaki and will be published by FromSoft as well. There will be no third-party studios publishing the game, so that sounds very promising in terms of achieving Miyazaki's true vision, perhaps. Raise the sun! The game will release solely on next-gen consoles and PC, so that's PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, uh, so that's an interesting one as well. Hopefully we might start to see a bit of a divergence there and a step away from games that are sort of limited somehow to work on previous consoles. That doesn't surprise me at all if it's coming out in 2025. We really need to have a cutoff point, don't we? It should have already been and gone, to be perfectly honest with you. In my mind, I agree with you there as well. I think that kind of you end up hindering new releases by kind of making sure that they work on the older consoles. Uh, so the game is rumoured to be mainly a spin-off of the Souls formula, with this time a much heavier emphasis on magic and spellcasting. The game takes place in the late 18th century, between the 1780s and 1790s, in a European-inspired fictional world, although it is not a spiritual sequel to Bloodborne, and the game apparently has no connections with Bloodborne whatsoever. So we might be looking at a similar setting there, but it looks like Bloodborne 2 is certainly not what this is. Good. Don't want Bloodborne 2. Just release Bloodborne 1 on PC. Blood, yeah, let's get let's get Bloodborne on PC before we start thinking about Bloodborne exactly. 2, yeah? I need it! And this one's very juicy. The game has one very large legacy dungeon, which is in the city which the game takes place in, and has an open world outside it. So, rumours of one massive legacy dungeon in the middle. Uh, for those who aren't initiated, a legacy dungeon uh, is essentially the larger dungeons of the Dark Souls series. Legacy dungeons were referred to in Elden Ring just to sort of signify the fact that they had a lot of depth to them, a lot of twisting turns, and uh, a larger environment to explore. 
outside of kind of a regular underground dungeon area. So if I'm understanding this correctly, it's just going to be one big ass city with an open world outside it. So the open world is the open world and the large legacy dungeon is this big ass city. That is cool. That is really cool. Do you know what it makes me think of? Attack on Titan, which is a game set around humanity. Uh, they are living in like a giant circular city with different layers on it. And they're being attacked by these kind of giant Titan naked human people that are eating them. And essentially outside of the wall is just kind of nature and fields and forest but with inside humanity is all just walled in where these titans can't get through the city walls right got yeah yeah i mean i know that uh, miyazaki does take a lot of influences from anime culture and things like that you know that he's definitely not short of showing love for that in games like elden ring with the amount of references to berserk so i'm looking forward to seeing if he takes a little flavor of attack on titan for this new spellbound game so overall the game size is actually likely to be smaller than elden ring only slightly and that's an interesting one as well in terms of just how large will this city be in comparison to the large nature area around it will we be spending a lot of time in the city or will we be just dipping out to the outside the answer is yes if that's the case <laughs> it sounds like you'll it. be spending pretty much all the game in the city yeah but i imagine it will have like a sewer system underneath it like from soft likes of sewer right there'll be all sorts of verticality as well loads of buildings to explore probably with each building could be its own world in inverted commas you know what i mean if you're doing an entire city there's absolutely scope to have a big varied environment just as blood bowl managed to prove you know a lot of those even areas there they were kind of city outskirts like the uh, the fisherman's village and stuff in in bloodborne do you think that this is in any way linked to the story we reported a few weeks ago about that fromsoft developer posting on his linkedin that he's working on a new unannounced fromsoft title hey you're absolutely right you know does that does that lend credence to this i mean it definitely ties in doesn't it i think you're right there i mean it certainly lends credence to it for me at least it's an interesting point has 4chan done it again? That's what we really want to know. <laughs> hey, it sounds like there's not a completely outside chance that they have. Yeah, and just looking at this list of stuff, it's it all sounds legit. Like there's, it does, there's doesn't nothing it? here yeah. that makes me think, oh no, that's nonsense. It all sounds like a from software produced Miyazaki game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm really intrigued around this uh, this comment here that spells can be wielded like weapons and actually have movesets like normal weapons, like a charged heavy, light attacks, maybe even block attacks, uh, light combos and backsteps and dodges and things like that. So yeah, no, I'm looking forward to kind of taking the usual sword and shield or whatever your kind of melee weapon style combat and seeing you do quick spell casts instead. I think that could be really cool and a very big change up to how spell casting has worked in the previous FromSoft titles. Yes, and could be very cool indeed, particularly with the point that I've just seen that apparently they're going to be like trick style weapons like they were in Bloodborne as well. So with magic, you could do some really cool things with the switch weapons combos and all that. That is the only thing. That is the only thing that makes me actually question the validity of this is like, okay, they're scratching all the things and saying all the things I want to hear. And then when you drop trick weapons from Bloodborne into this, I'm like, okay, now this is a lie because yeah. this is too good to be true. <laughs> so That's what I was literally just about to say, I'm I'm not going to get any more excited than I am reading this because this is uh, pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool sounding stuff, at least. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is very much a leak at this point. They have actually put at the bottom of the post that they will provide an update post regarding the game to provide more information as well as a confirmation of identity. Uh, I think that this post was actually originally made around nine days ago at the time of recording. 
to my knowledge, that information still hasn't come out, which, again, not doesn't necessarily mean either way. Uh, I imagine that to leak this sort of stuff, you would risk some sort of legal repercussions from, uh, from doing this if you were to confirm your identity. So we shall see, but very exciting stuff if it is true. I guess check out the Game Awards this year to see if there's any sort of mention, I guess, like they say in this. Oh, wait with bated breath. On to the next article of the day, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom releases today on the Nintendo Switch. That's right, the wait is finally over, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom has finally released on the day of this recording. This title is most likely going to prove to be one of Nintendo's best-selling titles on the Nintendo Switch, as the follow-up title to what is widely regarded as a masterpiece in gaming, I'm of course referring to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I can confirm, I do actually have a copy of Tears of the Kingdom in my possession, however, due to a late delivery and the timing of podcast recording, I sadly haven't had a chance to play the game before recording this episode. Rest assured though that I'm going to be putting a lot of my spare time into playing this game over the next week, so I'll be back with a lot more info as part of our catch-up next week. You've committed yourself, no pressure. Oh. <laughs> You'll finish the game by next week, Will. No problem, just, it's fine. Well, given how long it took me to complete Breath of the Wild, I think that is definitely somewhat doubtable. I mean, it'll be interesting to see wherever I've gotten off whatever is, if there is an equivalent to the plateau area in yeah. Breath of the Wild. So let's see how we get on. But I cannot wait to get into I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the copy now, James. I'm excited. I'm calling it. You're going to stay in the tutorial area and you're going to spend 20 hours building shit. Just fusing shit together and figuring out what it all does. Yeah. It sounds good to me, man. That, I think that's what you'll be doing and that will be your catch up <laughs> next week. <laughs> So the release of this game has already been met with huge positive critical reception, with Empire giving the game five stars and stating that there is an intoxicating sense of possibility to every moment of gameplay, and describing the world as a living, breathing environment coupled with a euphoric, unparalleled sense of freedom. Well, that sounds cool, doesn't it? That's a lot of big words there, James. So... Assuming that this isn't all just promotional bullshit, a living, breathing world, uh, we kind of mentioned before that we saw that thing chopping wood, and uh, we know it was kind of encouraging to see some more stuff like that compared to Breath of the Wild, where it was typically you just stumble across things, and depending on the day or night, they'd be doing different stuff. I want to see dead. a lot more going on like that. Yeah, there wasn't Fair enough interaction in the world. Yeah. I wouldn't describe it as dead, but it was definitely lacking depth in terms of people doing stuff outside of very pre-programmed routines. It was a very old style of gameplay design compared to what we've gotten used to now with titles like Red Dead that have knocked stuff out of the park in terms of making the world feel alive. Yeah, but it was also more, certainly in my experience, Breath of the Wild, which is obviously a lot less than yours, but you'd go around and you wouldn't see two, there'd be areas where you just didn't see anything, then there'd be a group of enemies, and then there'd be empty, then a group of enemies. You never saw, like, even animals just wandering around, apart from, like, the occasional pack of horses. So it'd be interesting to see if that's what they mean by this, it's improved in that respect, which I imagine it has. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Uh, the Telegraph also gave Tears of the Kingdom five stars, going on to say the long-awaited follow-up to the seminal Breath of the Wild is an expected, inventive triumph for Nintendo's famous series. So again, that I think reflects a lot of the uh, speculative conversation we've had around it in terms of uh, the way that you're going to be able to use your various powers, weapons, fusing system, crafting system to kind of combine, solve puzzles as well as use those things in combat as well. Oh, uh, you know, this is honestly torture just talking about Excited it like this. Much? I just want to be sat there in front of my Switch. I can see you squirming in your seat. You're like <laughs> yeah. there, like, oh my god, I want to play it! <laughs> I'm like spasming with goddamn anticipation about playing this game. And it sounds like many, many other game reviews from critics have been following suit in terms of giving this game full marks and a five-star rating. I'm interested to see how the fan reception of this game is, though. Although, I'll definitely be giving myself some time to make up my own opinion before looking into many more reviews. 
as I said, it's, it is basically torture for me just hearing <laughs> people talk about how good this game is. And I'm still yet to, to give it a go myself. So, uh, yes, I'll come back with news next week. Yeah, and just to make it even a little bit worse for you, every single thing I've seen on Twitter, online, everywhere is like 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5, Blowing. 10 out of 10, Excellent. 10 out of 10, 1, 9.8. What cost it that point too? Do you know what it was? It's the durability system. It was oh, like, yeah, this game, yeah. game of the year, game of the year. But Doc Point 2, just for the f***ing durability system. Yeah, no, that's legit. Good shout. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That probably needs, probably, I'd taken a whole point off, personally, but... Perfect game, except for that. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's, uh, it's not something I've been looking forward to, as you well know, but it's nice to hear that it's really good, because I know a bunch of people who are excited about it, yourself included. So, man, I'm looking forward to hearing how you get on with it and uh, whether it lives up to the hype. And moving on to our final article of the week, yet another rumour originating from 4chan. They're really getting their journalism socks on this week, aren't they? They're knocking it out of the park this week with the rumours. Whether their legitimacy is uh, is confirmed or not is yet to be said. <laughs> but hey, you know, they are really tantalising with the rumours this time. ID Software, makers of Doom, Wolfenstein, Quake and Rage games have stepped in to assist Bethesda Game Studios with their upcoming Starfield project. Ooh, okay. So once again, as I mentioned earlier, this rumour has come from another anonymous poster of the 4chan forum. So as always, take this with a grain of salt. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie, off the bat, I instantly don't believe this one as much. So there is a rumour that id Software, as of August 2022, have been working with Bethesda Game Studios in order to improve the combat in Starfield. Something that has looked somewhat lacklustre and bland in more recent gameplay footage releases. We'll get a chance, apparently, to see the changes for ourselves at the upcoming Starfield Direct Showcase, which was rumoured by Video Games Chronicle editor-in-chief Andy Robinson back in February this year. So James, you briefly mentioned there that you feel like this one is less likely to be true than the rumours around the upcoming FromSoft title. What makes you say that? To me, it just sounds like because Id and Bethesda worked together on Doom 2016 a little bit, right? It just sounds like, oh, those guys have worked together. Starfield combat looks shit in the stuff we've seen. But also Rage and Wolfenstein have had recent titles with the Bethesda series as well. So there's definitely a lot of shared yeah. blood, blood there. And that's the thing. Reading on about all the other titles there, I did sort of second guess myself a little bit. Because it's like, ah, that's, they did work on those ones too, I suppose. It does seem convenient, though. That's the only thing. It seems like low-hanging fruit for a rumour, given the sort of already established connections between the companies. And also, I don't think they'd be hiding that. I think they'd have said, yeah, we've got ID involved, or Ed, whatever we're calling him. I think they'd have said, we've got them involved to help with the combat. I, yeah, I think that would have yeah. been something you'd market it on rather than something you just say, like have in the background. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Has a whiff, yeah. It just has a, li a slight whiff of bullshit, but... Like, yeah, I'm not sure. I am second-guessing myself a little bit, having considering you've just reeled off those list of games too. But they were, like I say, though, Id was sort of part of that. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't they him. were the driving force yeah. behind those games, as opposed. I mean, Id does have actually have a reputation of supporting studios in this sort of capacity before as yeah. well. If that helps to tick the barometer over to this, could yeah. be true anymore. As I'm playing devil's advocate. <laughs> yeah, and it's working. I'm, My yeah. scale is wobbling, like <laughs> left to right. I don't know, but I still don't think it's as believable sounding as the FromSoft one. The FromSoft one, like. Maybe I just want that one to be true more. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. That's, that's probably what it is. You're just more willing to believe the rumour that you want to be yeah, true. <laughs> that's probably what it is. Hey, man, I can't blame you for that. I mean, Starfield instantly gets a little bit better in my mind if Id were involved in the combat, to be fair. 
I, I guess you know I'm not mad looking forward to Starfield, but I will be probably be getting it early doors because oh, it's a Bethesda RPG. As, as I've said many mm. times, I respect that. But if it are working with them, great. I mean, it sounds like it could only be good news for Starfield if these rumors are true. Having developers with such a strong pedigree for first-person shooters would hopefully drastically improve the look and the feel of gunplay and combat. The rumour on 4chan reads that the combat is in a vastly better state than it was during the Xbox showcase last year, although I guess we'll have to wait and see until the rumoured Starfield showcase whenever that may be. To be fair as well, if you've got these guys working with Starfield combat, the Doom combat uses a jetpack system, right? And Starfield is a space game. They have a double jump, I know, but... uh, It's not quite a jetpack, but it's like a boost forward. If yeah, I mean. yeah, and yeah. I imagine it's like a jetpack that does it. I mean, it would certainly work well as a jetpack, like almost like a Destiny-style jetpack, kind of like a boost of thrust. Yeah, yeah. think think Boba Fett's jetpack, that sort of deal. Yeah, yeah. I can see that working really well in in the context of Starfield with all the planetary exploration and things like that. So no, the more I talk myself around to it, maybe I can see this one being true as well. But I think the overriding thing for me is that they would they'd be leading with the fact that they're doing the combat. They wouldn't be hiding yes. it and it wouldn't be a rumour. Seems odd that we haven't heard anything about it until now. I mean, we may have to uh, sort of eat those words when they do make a huge deal yeah, exactly. out yeah. the, uh, of the upcoming Starfield Direct. Yeah. But, uh, the Starfield Showcase, rather. Hey, I'll take any more reasons to get a little bit more excited for this game because, uh, you know, I've been struggling to find reasons lately. So, yeah, you and uh, me yeah. both. Apart from the fact <laughs> it's Bethesda, you and me both. Okay, man, I think that rounds off the news section. It's time to move on to Completionist's Corner. <laughs> Okay, James, it's time for the big reveal. The game that we've been playing this week is... Podvane. Anime Souls, baby. Absolutely, yeah. So this is... uh, I kind of described this when I was explaining it to a friend earlier this week, that it was a mixture between Genshin Impact and Dark Souls, and honestly, after playing it for a few more hours, I I still feel like I kind of hit the nail on the head there. Pretty much. There is a lot more big anime titties uh, in this one, for sure, than Genshin. I think Genshin, they kind of reel it in a little bit, but they have gone all out on the kind of just extremely big-breasted female characters of the game with extremely over-exaggerated breast-swinging jiggle physics as well, which is all more comical than anything else I generally find through the gameplay. Although I will say the jiggle physics is genuinely really good. It's done re- It's done really well. It is done really well. <laughs> it's, yes, yes. So respect the, to the, the devs for that, I suppose. over-exaggerated <laughs> breast physics have been done sublimely. And uh, as we'll get into later on the game, you know, it really just has a lot of revealing clothing in general for mainly the female protagonists. The dudes, oh, not so much. Dude. Exclusively, exclusively the female yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's not beat around the bush here. Yeah, they knew their target demographic for this game, that's for sure. They certainly did. And funnily enough, I think we may make mention of it in a sec, right? But this reminds me a lot of God Eater. Yes, yeah, you're right to think that, James. We will get into it in, uh, in just a few moments. Yeah, because God Eater, believe it or not, Will, bigger, more outrageous titties than Code Vein. No. Yeah. I don't believe it. Some I of the characters. So I've never played God Eater, cards on the table, so uh, that sounds like something uh, maybe it's on the cards for checking out later. Well, I've only played God Eater 3, which I briefly brought up on a catch-up many, many moons ago. Okay, yeah, yeah, I do vaguely recall. The main person you do jobs for in that game 
She's hung, let's just say. <laughs> She's hung on the chest front. Titties! Okay, James, before we get any deeper down that rabbit hole, let's uh, kind of crack on with the summary of the game. So, Code Vein is a third-person, hack-and-slash, dungeon-crawling, action-role-playing game. That is a mouthful. Yeah, Jesus, what would the, the abbreviation of that be? Developed and published by Bandai Namco Entertainment. The game is set in a post-apocalyptic, dystopian setting with a vampiric theme and is reminiscent of the Dark Souls series, as I mentioned before. Yeah, vampiric themes, yeah, kind of true. It's the blood. Yeah, There's lots yeah. of organs playing in the theme tunes. Yeah, basically, <laughs> we kind of talked yeah. a little about I this mean, last night. Basically, so. all it's missing is fangs. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you say vampire, I say revenant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So Code Vein is actually a reboot or kind of an alternate timeline for the God Eater series. Hence the titties. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hence that. That's that's the main uh, connection between the two of them, really, let's be honest. Mmm, titties. No, but actually, uh, so this timeline involves where research involving things called Oracle Cells actually led to the creation of Revenants, the vampire-like characters we play as and interact with during the game. In the not-too-distant future, a mysterious disaster called the Great Collapse has devastated the world as we know it. Towering skyscrapers now collapse, litter the empty and destroyed streets of a city. The landscape is pierced by large dark spikes jutting out of the ground and through buildings. These spikes are known as the Thorns of Judgment. Which sounds really f***ing ominous, doesn't it? It's pretty badass right there. I'll tell you, that's the name of a metal band right now. The Thorns <laughs> yeah. of Judgment! At the centre of the destruction lies a hidden society of revenants, who are the, the vampire type people we talked about earlier. And this uh, society is called Vane. This final stronghold is where the remaining revenants fight demons and monsters and other big old creatures to survive. These revenants are blessed with gifts of power in exchange for their memories of the past and a thirst for blood, much like vampires. If these revenants let themselves give in to their bloodlust, they become known as one of the lost, who are monstrous ghouls without any humanity left, who never stop wandering in search of more blood to quench their thirst. Very violent motherfuckers as well. They, they sort are, of get yeah. all big and bulbous and hench. It's kind of cool. Full aggro. The story of this game focuses on the plight of the Revenants and their quest to unlock the mysteries of their past and free themselves from their vampiric nightmare. Amongst other things. There's some other stuff yeah, going there's, on. Yeah, th there's some more there as well. This is an overview. The other thing to say off the bat, just very, very quickly, because it would be quite important. This comes from the perspective of Will, never played the game before, and me, having played it before, so kind of knowing what the game's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James is sitting on quite a few details here, holding them back from me until the game chooses to reveal them to me, which I'm very thankful for. No spoilers, please! Absolutely none. So these revenants are actually quite interesting because they essentially don't really have any knowledge of their past. All of their memories have been locked away during the process of being turned into revenants, and they can kind of unlock some of these memories by discovering these special items in the game. There are some characters who have certain objects on them that help them remember certain things, but okay. outside of that, there really is very little memories of the past, as you say. So before we get any further into the storyline of the game, I think it's important to start off where the game starts off, which is the character creation. Arguably one of the most deep character creators out there, I would say. I would agree with you in certain aspects. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there is. It's an interesting way of, of doing it. Before we played again, I do remember there being a lot more clothing options. It's kind of like six styles and then you can just adjust just how heavily they're built up. And that usually involves the permutations of things like knee protectors, elbow protectors, straps and cloaks and things like that. Like chains. Yeah. yeah like collars <laughs> and things like that. It's, it's quite well done, to be fair. But I do remember that bit being deeper. 
but in terms of the faces the accessories and things like that is unparalleled in my opinion only in other bandai namco games like uh, soul Calibur, i believe and, and stuff like that it's clearly sharing that exact same system where they have a list of i think it's like is it eight or ten accessories there is a limit to the amount of accessories you can put on your character i don't know if it's number of accessories i think each accessory has a a value of one to three and you have a certain amount of rectangular blocks you can have oh i see i don't know okay. exactly what it is though because i had like three spaces left but i couldn't put something on for example so it depends on what you're doing but the ability to attach various accessories and by accessories i mean it could be things like bows or lace or extra chains it could be elbow pads it could be knee pads it could be various hat things it could be a feather sticking out of their hair all sorts of different objects that you can attach even just things like sort of puffy balls you can give them like a little rabbit tail if you wanted yep, you can even put a pumpkin on their head all of these objects you can adjust the scale of as well as the rotation the position on the body as well as the color so as you can imagine, you kind of start with a base 3D character and you have your outfit, but once you're set with that, you can custom color anything you want, as well as adding various 3D objects to the character model, which can, as you'd imagine, enable you to create some really, really cool and inventive character custom models. Yes, such as Sonic the Hedgehog, which we've seen. We saw Pikachu, which was fantastic. There was a very good link from uh, Legend of Zelda as well. I'm pretty sure I've also seen, like... Um chad uh, squidworth oh yeah i think yeah that like mega cool. chad squidworth i think i've seen that on Elden ring too it's hilarious i saw some amazing final fantasy characters yes. on there as well because one thing we've neglected to talk about is the anime hairstyles in this they have literally just about every single archetype of anime hairstyle in existence and it is fantastic all the Yu-Gi-Oh ones you want basically are there. <laughs> yeah. Anything from Pokemon, just everything anime is there. It's great. As well as being able to colour to various degrees their hair, adjust where the kind of, I'm not sure what it's called, but the kind of the different colour point in the hair. Uh, and then you can two-tone it. It's really, really cool stuff. Yeah, there's a shiny slider too, so you can make their hair really shiny if you want. Extra shiny yeah. hair, yeah. Extra <laughs> greasy. So there is really so much you can do with this. I think you should tell them what you did with it, man. Because what you did with it was really cool. So I noticed as I was flicking through some of the outfits that actually one of them, after you remove a lot of the permutations, like the cloak and some of the straps and things, it actually resembles very closely a sneaking suit from pretty the much Metal Gear Solid series. Yeah, pretty much identical, except for the slightly chunkier boots that he's wearing. It kind of looks like you're wearing a sneaking suit, but then you had a little trip down to like one of those uh, <sighs> Camden Marketplace shops and ended up getting yourself a big spiky pair of leather boots yeah. as well. For our American viewers, Hot Topic. Yeah, right. Yeah, think Hot Topic. Yeah, yeah thank you, James. <laughs> yeah, anime booties, man. Anime booties. <laughs> Talking of anime booties, uh, okay. much like Kojima's <laughs> Solid Snake. Excellent segue. <laughs> yeah, they uh, spent quite a bit of time crafting these butt cheeks, I can assure you. Yeah, they did. But uh, after I discovered the sneaking suit look, then I very quickly cobbled together a hairstyle as well as something to resemble a bandana made out of a headband and a piece of cloth that kind of had two straps to it. Because you can manipulate things, I combined the two objects to make it look like a bandana. Really well done. Yeah, it, it it really, really well done. I'm so happy with it. It's probably my closest to resembling video game character that I've actually bothered to create. So sometimes I genuinely... Forget that I'm playing Code Vein and I'm just playing Metal Gear Solid chopping up demons. Exactly, it's uh, Anime Snake. The clap of my ass cheeks keeps alerting the guards. It's really, really good, I've got to say. Really good. And what about you, James? Do you want uh, time to lay on to the viewers about uh, your character? I think your character resembles Harley Quinn. In, a little uh, in bit. Away. There's definitely vibes to that. And the other vibe is like Alexa Bliss when she used to, was a wrestler. She used to do like a gimmick where she was basically like Harley Quinn. And it kind right, of looks right. like that. So yeah, my character is... Um, 
because of the playthrough that I'm going to do, I decided that it was best to have a character that was sort of a little bit schizophrenic, a little bit good, a little bit bad, a bit of everything. So I, I've made a waifu. She's sort of, for the most part, quite angelic looking. One of her eyes is bright blue. She's got like a heart tattoo on her face. She's got, you know, white blonde hair with like baby blue highlights and stuff. And a paragon of goodness looking. Kind of like when you're full good on Fable. Exactly, like really like going for, you know, the skin colours about like that, to be fair, that's a pretty good description. You want sort of that pale sort of glow on it. But then on the other side of her face, she's got a red demon eye. She's got so, <laughs> she's got some of the um, frenzy that's from Code Vein is like seeping into her face on that side. She's got one, she's got pigtails, right? And her pigtail on that side is black with red highlights instead of blonde with blue highlights that's right yeah and on that side of her body on her back she's got um a sort of devil wing protruding and the idea was that she's sort of this angelic being that's slowly being corrupted by the world of code vein and in my self law a thing we're going to talk about later whenever she picks up vestiges it sort of corrupts her a bit more oh okay that's the sort of game like that's the sort of subplot that i'm playing by myself that isn't in the game and her name, I believe, and apologies to our Japanese listeners because I'm going to butcher this. It's the Japanese word, apparently, according to Google Translate for duality, which I believe right. was uh, Nigensei. There we go. So, yeah, I went yeah, full roleplay on this, name. boys. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like there's a power struggle between good and dark going on within the character. Yeah. It's very cool. The internal struggle. And she's hot. Let's just be real. She's hot. <laughs> yeah, she's also super smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I'm a little bit uh, jealous of uh, the amount of effort and time that you put into your character. Although I am very happy with my solid snake character, I really like the fact that you've gone to the uh, degree of going for some additional lore into your character and stuff like that. It really adds a second depth to it. It does, but it's the advantage of having played the game before, you see. Yeah. And I did spend two hours making it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, no, I think I spent at least a good a good hour creating my solid snake character as well yeah and I, I think we're both very proud of our creations and i think they both look excellent to be fair we did a little bit of co-op as part of this we did we did we dabbled with some co-op seeing them fight together was it's just it was so sweet like proud very parents <laughs> speaking of fighting james should we talk a little bit about some of the mechanics of this game the combat and things like that he's so great uh, you had a <laughs> really great one it. last week as well just absolutely <laughs> killing it love it Yes, we should talk about the combat because it's obviously a big part of the game, with it, what with it being a Souls-like. So off the bat, we should probably say that like a Souls-like, there are many different sort of styles of weapon and each style of weapon has their different weapon subtypes, if you like. So you might have two-handed swords, for example. You then will have two different variants of that that will have ever so slightly different movesets and different combinations you can do. It's really mm, cool stuff. That's right. And it's worth playing with a lot because different weapon types can be different in useful situations in this game. You get plenty of resources, so there's really no risk at all in upgrading every single weapon you find if that's what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to give you an idea of the different sort of playstyles you can have, my character is essentially going to be using heavy weapons, at least initially. So she's got a big old hammer and a big old axe, whereas Will's character being Solid Snake, is using the sort of bayonet weapon. Exactly. I just felt that Solid Snake would probably be most comfortable with a gun in his hands, so we're using the bayonet, which uh, obviously has a mixed melee attack that you can use, and his heavy attack is actually shooting a blast. You can also do a charged heavy attack, which shoots kind of more like a shotgun spray of blasts. And these weapons are powered by a currency in the game called Ica, which you can actually retrieve from enemies by scoring attacks off them, 
blocking or dodging their attacks, I believe. Is that right? And I think getting hit. Oh, right. Okay. Weirdly, so, but yeah, that might be focus only. It might be focus only that. But but anyway, you, you essentially have to go between using your Ica and using your heavy attacks and then getting back into the loop of going in for some melee attacks to restore it. You've also got like a large Ica restore attack that you can do that you do by holding down the A button. And that, depending on what you're wearing at the time, it has one of three different abilities. So for instance, my character, they have a claw that sprouts out of their hands. And when on release, they'll kind of slash the enemy with the claw. And that has a tendency to restore a large amount of Ica as well. So with my character using the bayonet, I tend to stand back firing a lot. And then whenever I get a nice big window, I go in with the claw attack just to restore mine. What about you, James? My sort of charge attack i believe they're called uh, my ica restoring attack is um basically a giant tail protrudes from my armor with a spike on the end and i can thrust attack people from quite a distance um because we'll mention briefly there there's three sort of special attacks for these um blood veil charge attacks a uh, blood veil being your armor in the game um these are I, I forget the exact names but it's blade claw and spear i think so mine's a spear because it thrusts yours is a claw because it's a claw and then the blade one just basically creates a pit of blades on the floor. They just sort of spike up. I did experiment with that one a little bit later on today, and I actually had quite a good time with that. Not so much with necessarily the uh, the pit of spikes that come out the floor, but it also affects the animation that you do for your backstab yeah, attacks as does. well. So if you are able to do that, you'll often have your weapon come out and do a variation. So with the claw, it's just kind of you pull out the claw and do a big slash. But with the spikes, it's really cool because you kind of impale the enemy from underneath them. It's uh, and yeah, from it's cool little animation. Well. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, because I was playing with my old Code Vein character a little bit earlier on, and um, mine's got a, a yeah, blade one. So I saw all that. It is actually pretty badass. And you kind of mentioned jokingly yesterday when we were playing these, like, where does the tail come from, Will? The tail's not there on my anime check at the beginning. Like, the tail just kind of sprouts out of somewhere. Well, James, I don't know. Have you ever actually kind of hung around the start screen for this game? Because you actually are provided with short little clips of uh, what looks like an anime for this game. It's actually like a fully animated cartoon. Yeah. And you actually see it burst out of her butt cheeks. Yeah. Like, on the... <laughs> It yeah. really does just... I thought that was a joke. It's straight up just kind of... It's from, it's from their armor. Cheeks. Yeah, it's from the armor. <laughs> and because it's an anime game, you know, about loads of women with big old titties... They don't have much armor. They don't have much armor. <laughs> so where's it going to come from? Their panties, right? <laughs> of course, of course. It's it's the only, uh, only bit of armor that they are legally required to wear in terms of getting past the censorship board. Yeah. For context, one of the characters <laughs> we're going to meet in this game that can join our party is literally wearing a nighty. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, just just, just yeah. to give you a sort of the base idea of what we're getting at here. They all look like they're wearing suspenders or stockings yeah. or whatever. It's just outrageous. The final thing to mention while we're talking about combat, though, is um, Ica that we've discussed there for um, Will's gun attack there is also used um, to power abilities that you can have, basically. Think of it as your mana. Yes, that's a very sense. good comparison, yeah. 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 So um, we'll probably get a little bit more into the um, core of the combat in terms of how you get your classes and stuff as we progress in this. Basically, you get these abilities depending on what class you are, and uh, Ica is used to power those abilities as well. So definitely worth your while to be constantly recharging your Ica so that you can constantly be firing off abilities or shooting shots like Will does with his... Um, Bayonet. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a constant charging up and releasing your attacks type 
sort of rotation as throughout the combat. It's cool stuff. And because it's not a one-for-one conversion when you hit an enemy, you get like two or three back at a time. It's absolutely worth just spamming everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, don't be sat there on a massive Ica stockpile sort of thing being worried about saving it up. You get it back very quickly. You want to kind of fill up the bar as much as possible and deplete it as quick as possible as well. Exactly. Constantly using your buffs, constantly using your abilities. It's, it adds so much to the combat doing that. Yeah, 100%. So, James, I think with some of the more basic gameplay elements out of the way, it's time that we return to the story. So, the story begins as our character, Solid Snake, slash Duality, both revenants, awaken in the ruins of a large city known as Vane. The city is sealed within a ring of red mist, with the sealed-in area called the Jail of the Mists. Our character is led by a girl in white, who is called Eo, to a white, vine-like growth called a Bloodspring. These blood springs appeared shortly after the world was cut off by the red mist. These blood spring plants produce a regular supply of blood beads, which revenants consume to sustain themselves and slake their thirst for blood. Yes, and it's also worth pointing out at this stage that when we've woken up, we've forgotten absolutely everything about who we are, where we've come from, as has Eo. We just woke up together and there's no context to anything. Classic video game amnesia scenario. Hell yeah. Bringing out all the tropes today. We should also mention that these blood spring plants or missiles actually act as bonfires in the game. So as you're traveling from point to point, they are your checkpoints, which will, upon resting at them, restore all of your health and mana or ichor. And it also regenerates all of the enemies in the game that you've defeated so far. So there is that trade-off there. You will get all of your health back, but you will have to fight your way through the enemies that you previously defeated. So far, so Dark Souls. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and, and just to confirm that as well, they also act as your point where you can level up your character, you can change equipment, as well as change your companions in the game, which is another system. So co-op play is heavily encouraged in this game. Uh, if you don't play with a buddy, you actually can be assigned a companion instead, which is just one of the other protagonists of the story, and they'll be able to use their various abilities to help you along as well. Yes. Although you can just ignore them all and play completely solo too. There is a lot of freedom of choice and they allow you a lot of agency in this game in terms of how you want to play it. One of the huge things for me which I really liked was seeing as I spent so long in the character creator, I really like the fact that you can not only hide your helmet but you can also hide your armour as well so you can reduce them to just look like exactly how you made them in the character creator which is really really good considering how much time we spent in the character creator, I think, yeah. It absolutely really is. Stuff. The only thing that you can't ever hide is the breathing masks, but that's for law purposes and it's absolutely fine by me. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, no, that makes sense, you know. But we'll get onto that more in just a moment, actually. Across the land, many of these blood spring plants have dried up due to the spread of miasma, which looks like a fog of particles that emanates off of the lost. The demons spawn from those who have succumbed to their bloodlust. Miasma increases the bloodthirst of revenants drastically, basically putting them into a sort of frenzy state, and they therefore need to wear special breathers to avoid inhaling any miasma when they are out in the wasteland, which are the things that I have no problem with being there for law purposes. Yeah, it makes sense, yeah. If they weren't there, you'd be wondering how they were surviving. Although the many things you can do in this game, you can literally have an outfit that is just you wearing a towel, but you will always be wearing that mask. <laughs> Code vein, everyone. Our character learns that society is collapsing due to the dwindling supplies of blood beads caused by a levy and distribution system put in place by a group called Cerberus, who acts as overseers for all of the revenants. Yes, and like the Mass Effect Cerberus, these guys aren't very nice. 
No, they're kind of dicks, and uh, they spend a lot of time making sure that they wrestle blood beads off of people and uh, kind of spread them out at their own will, really. Yeah, and literally, like, kill women and children to get beads. It's... They're really not fussy. Not at all. There's also strict protection in place for the extremely small number of remaining humans within the city, enforced by a group known as the Provisional Government, who were led by a man called Silver. The remaining humans are increasingly under threat from revenants due to the scarce supplies of these blood beads. Yes, and the reasoning for that is because if there's no blood beads, the revenants will just drink human blood instead. So starting off our journey, we head to an area called the Ruined City Underground. Well, you say we head there. We get captured by some of these dicky revenants from Cerberus, we don't do. we? And they force us into go collecting blood beads for them. Yeah, so we're kind of inducted into their levy scheme there. Yeah, although it's a good job they didn't actually see us, you know, reactivating the blood spring, because otherwise they'd really want to keep us around, you know? Right, yeah. There's something special about us, that's for sure. Yes, more on that later. So this area, the Ruined City Underground that Will mentioned, is basically your sort of tutorial area, really. There's nothing too much going on here, but it's a very, very good area for you to practice a lot of the mechanics of the game, such as the charge attacks that we mentioned earlier, back attacks, and just general get a feel of your combat, because we're both Souls veterans here, but the timing is a little bit different. So good to warm up on some enemies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, get used to those animations and the way that the combat flows. Yeah, and have a practice with some of the different weapon types for those that haven't played the game before. But we sort of get through this area fairly quickly, not too many problems. And uh, we're actually initially accompanied, if you're playing solo, you're initially accompanied by a guy called Oliver Collins. And he gets into a fight with um, a revenant who's becoming a lost, who's going into frenzy, which actually sort of knocks his mask and breaks it. And at this point, you actually end up leaving him behind, having sort of saved him from this frenzying revenant. And... You just sort of, you leave him, don't you? He just chills in a cavern for the rest of the Pretty game. much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we then go through the caverns and we get to the boss fight at the end of the at the end of the thing. And uh... Surprise, surprise, our old friend Oliver Collins. Oh, jeez. This <laughs> now guy. Now driven mad by the miasmic bloodlust. Yeah, just surrounded by the corpses of other lost who he's killed. And actually, funnily enough, I think it's also the Revenants that captured us. He kills them because he's back up top where we were. I think you can see some of the corpses of the people that captured us. Okay, okay. Yeah, so there's this first boss fight of the game. Now, Will, what did you think of this boss fight? Did you see it coming, first and foremost? I mean, you are led up to a very big boss arena. Uh, It does make it pretty clear there that uh, that whatever happening, something big's about to happen. I wasn't quite expecting necessarily a boss fight, but I was definitely expecting the end of the level and a big cutscene. No, but what I mean by that is, did you expect it to be Oliver Collins? Oh, no. No, 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 not at all. I think at that stage, I was still very much sort of getting into the uh, the beginnings of the game, so no, I hadn't really started tying those things together That's yet. Fair, yeah. But no, this boss fight basically starts off as you're fighting Oliver Collins, the sort of human, if you like, the human-style revenant. He's got a big That's old right. hammer, quite slow-swinging, quite easy to telegraph his attacks, really. But then you get him to just above half health, and uh, he fully turns into a lost, and he becomes this big old sort of hulking i always think they remind me of, they remind me of sumo wrestlers with gas masks on yeah that's a pretty good big yeah yeah hulking yeah. sort of quite round sort of bulbous looking creature with this gas mask that basically forms its whole face uh still wielding a big f- off hammer 
but his attacks are slightly quicker. He's got more physical defense and uh, does sort of bigger combos, but still very easily telegraphed attacks, I found. So yeah, both my playthroughs had no issue with this guy. How did you find him? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a tutorial boss in a way, isn't it, really? It's, yeah, it, it's unusual in the sense that yeah, you don't die to this one. Yeah. <laughs> Straight away. Well, provided that you actually play good, you so don't die anyway. You're actually meant to be him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah very refreshing uh no it was it was a very straightforward pretty easy boss fight this definitely doesn't uh it, it's not one that i'll be unlike gascoin yeah, <laughs> that yeah. i'll be talking about uh you know much later down the line in terms of the game but a cool introduction into just exactly what happens to the revenants once they become fully frenzied it's like this is what you'll become and also did you boss know fights. there's boss fights in this game <laughs> really hammering home the souls like feel with multiple stages yeah oh yeah different phases and you even get when you kill them it says greater enemy felled or whatever yeah 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 they're not uh they're not shy about making it pretty obvious which games have inspired uh this game let's say <laughs> which i have absolutely no problem with whatsoever so the player and eo meet another character called louis amamia who sees the player successfully make contact with the vestige of a lost without becoming frenzied. The lost being, I believe, our old friend Oliver Collins, is that right? Correct, yes. Basically, when we've killed him, the vestige is uh, its like a sort of blood crystal yeah, that contains right. some of his memories. And for a normal revenant to pick it up, it will spike them in the hand and it will just make them frenzy straight away. Yeah. But because we're the protagonist... <laughs> we're special. We can pick up these vestiges. They'll still spike us, but we can then fight with the power of good and basically purify them and absorb the memories. In touching the vestige, our character acquires the memories of the defeated lost as well as their blood code. Blood codes are a unique property given to each revenant that grants them their own personal powers. Yeah, think classes, as we mentioned yeah, earlier. <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> and there is a lot of these as well that you can find throughout the game. They're all tucked away, hidden, and you can find various parts that I assume unlocks the greater class. So basically what happens with it is you'll find a certain vestige that will unlock a class for you, and then you find more vestiges and combine them together and it unlocks the sub-powers of the class that you can have, and that's things like... Um, a bloodshot which is like a little magic attack that you can chuck at people you've got buffs that you can put on pretty powerful free hit combo that i can use as really well. powerful weapon combinations too and they all have a sort of a slight blood splatter animation when you activate them those moves it's that's really right cool stuff. and these are moves again that we mentioned previously that are powered by that icker currency that you need to regenerate by attacking them regularly so as well as being able to absorb the memories of the vestiges, we are also able to clear away the infectious miasma which enables us to explore more of the city known as Vane and continue on our journey to find and reactivate the dried up blood springs. Yes, which Louis is very keen to do for reasons. But no, so we head back from the boss arena to Louis' home base and we are introduced to his buddy, Yakimo Shinonome, who, along with Louis and the rest of a motley crew, are searching for how to solve the issue of blood bead scarcity. Or at least so it seems at this stage. Louis tests our character's blood and reveals that we are a void type, due to our blood code having been damaged somehow. My code is broken! Which allows us to use the blood code of whoever shares their blood with us. Is that also the reason? Or at least I'm speculating that as we're a void type, that's also the reason how we're able to absorb these vestiges interesting thought will because it goes into the void <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying anything because it's all stuff that will be revealed but i like how you're thinking this feels like death stranding all over again but i'm the <laughs> yeah. i'm you in this scenario 
The group then decides to hunt down the dried up blood springs and follow the flow of veins connecting them all together in an attempt to find the source of the blood beads. Basically, we all became friends. Exactly. We got the gang together. They need us and our special protagonist powers to clear out the miasma so they don't frenzy. And we want to find out who the f*** we are. So why not help them out? They seem like good guys and gals. So this merry band head on our adventure at first to a place called the Park Ruins within the ruined city centre. Yes, and... At this stage, we have the option of being accompanied by Louis or Yakimo. Louis being a one-handed sort of bit more magic-based user. He's he's quite all-roundy, very very able companion. And Yakimo is big f- off sword guy. Yeah, it's my boy Yakimo. <laughs> I, I I I'll say now I main Yakimo when I solo. He's yeah, like, no, he's, he's I've my been guy. doing the same. I've been doing the same for for sure on this. He's one of my favourite characters in it as well. He's so cool. I think, but we won't, we won't gush over him today. <laughs> So as we explore the park ruins, fighting our way through various monstrous enemies and reactivating the Bloodspring missiles, therefore reducing the amount of miasma in the area, we finally encounter our second boss of the game, the Butterfly of Delirium. Honestly, the first thing I saw when I thought of this was the kind of the massive blooming flower that happens during the Melania boss fight of the end of Elden Ring. That was my first thought seeing this. A giant sort of glowing flower. Yeah, yeah. I remember you saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of, so with this boss fight, we get a little cutscene at the start with um, a revenant harassing a human. And uh, the butterfly doesn't like this for whatever reason and just fucking comes down out of her cocoon and attacks that revenant and for some reason we try and save that revenant and then it attacks us and this fight can be a doozy depending on how lucky you get basically it's it's an rng fight in a lot of ways yes and uh there is this is a poison type boss as well so you've got to be avoiding any sort of poison build up spending a lot of your time Ducking and diving and avoiding a purple poisonous fog cloud that she emits on various moves. And just in terms of look at this anime, we should mention she looks like a kind of, it's like a, it's a blooming flower, but with like a, a very scantily clad lady. Say hi as well, she's completely naked. <laughs> yeah, go on then. <laughs> yeah. She's being covered by bits of cocoon. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, they really, they, they just weren't holding any punches back on this game, were they at all? There is, this isn't the only sexy lady boss of this game. I'll just say that now. And you haven't even played all the game yet. I know, I know. I've only played like the first seven or eight hours or something like that. <laughs> and the only thing I will say is though, is that credit to Bandai Namco, this sexy lady boss didn't have big old tees though. No, no. She was quite it, modest. They did, yeah, it was a modest, it was a modest one. Physics, still very much there. Yeah, very but, much so. but, but modestly there. Yeah. But to counteract this, she does have a big old sort of dragon head coming out of like her ass as a tail. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And this thing chomps at you and she can sort of like reverse into you with her ass and it like bites you. That's right. It's almost, uh, it's it's quite intimidating even when you're actually co-oping this enemy because you'll have one attacking the front and typically one attacking from behind. But because of the switch up and the ability for the rear to also do attacks, it can kind of make that pretty unpredictable. Yes, and the other thing with this boss as well is um, there's a couple of her moves where you, you there's just no tell as to what's coming. So, I mean, the problem that we had when we were playing yesterday, wasn't it? She does a, a combo that can either be a two-hit two combo or a three-hit combo, and there's just no telling whether that third hit's going to come. And it's basically yes. a big, like, circular tail swing that knocks everyone around it. And That's right. This is, the amount of times we got hit by that, because we just weren't sure whether she was going to do it or not, was crazy. I think that probably the deciding factor whether they're going to do that third hit or not is whether it's likely to hit you. 
or not. I think sometimes the convo just ends short, but then other times and the nature of the fact that we're both running around, I think sometimes she would pull it out. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, nothing but positive things to say about these boss fights so far. They're very tight. Uh, they feel a lot like Dark Souls boss fights. And overall, the gameplay of this game doesn't feel so much like a kind of like it. There's a there's there's a bit of jank there, but not nearly as much as what I've become accustomed to playing these non from soft exactly. souls like games. So this one honestly really does stand out as pretty tight. Yeah, so there's a little bit of jank as you say, like the lock on camera could be better. That's yeah, that is quite a bit of yeah my issue so far with the game. I have very small issues, but yes, like that has caused me to die a few times particularly with mobs actually where you're switching from enemy to enemy that's much worse that's the issue yeah that is difficult because you can get locked into animations where you're not facing the way that you're facing or locked onto and it's really bizarre but i agree for the most part the combat is pretty tight It, it just has different timing that takes some getting used to when you've been playing souls before basically for sure for sure yeah there's a learning curve definitely 100 percent, but it's a fun learning curve and yeah uh, this boss uh i did first time in my solo run yeah big me and big yak sorted it out and, and we did it <laughs> we did it relatively quickly we did, yeah we did, it took we a handful of attempts yeah. but a relatively small handful yeah compared to one of the bosses we'll come to anyway but yeah fun fight and upon defeating the butterfly we're presented with another cutscene. Where we are very nice to that revenant who is being a dick to that human. We give him like three or four blood beads and then let him run away. Send him on his way, yeah. yeah. Very generous characters. They're very much establishing your guys as the good guys of the group, aren't you? They're, they're like just the ultimate uh, moral high ground types. Exactly. Particularly Louis. Louis is like the sort of, he's the de facto leader of our group. And he's like, um, he's not a holier than thou good character, but he's just like, he's your pure like lawful good character yeah yeah but not in but not in like a pretentious dickhead way in like a i really admire you sort of way yeah he's kind of a cool guy so after we defeat this boss we have a bit of a choice we can go one of two directions we can continue on past the butterfly of delirium boss fight room sort of down a tunnel that we've just unlocked or we can head back through the ruined city a little bit and sort of descend into a pit that has a lot of these uh, thorns of judgment sort of poking right. out of it that you can use as platforms to drop down. And because we were there, basically, to begin with, we went through the tunnel that was opposite the Butterfly of Delirium's boss fight arena. We actually meet that human lady that was being harassed by the Revenants and we uh, do our good guy thing and we give her we the information of the um, human sort of... <laughs> you said like, like safe zone safe isn't zone. It? i think it's like, like a... encampment like as if it's like a... <laughs> i think it, it kind of it's it sounds a little bit like it is one like that yeah, yeah but it's not like concentration camp here it's like a it's a refuge no <laughs> yeah it's a refuge yeah 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 and basically the catch is they will uh, take humans in they'll look after them make sure they don't get any trouble from revenants who are just looking to use and abuse them but they will be expected to donate some blood for the cause just a little bit of blood for the cause yeah which is not a bad Seems deal. Seems reasonable. Not a bad deal. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so we walk past her. Um, I think we activate another blood spring plant at this point as well. We do, and, yeah. And uh, we head down an elevator and we uh, go sort of around some cliffs and we end up at the dried up trenches, which, as the name suggests, is a big old dried up trench. <laughs> yeah. It's a very kind of like cavernous area with lots of perilous cliff falls and things like that. As James mentioned, there is a lot of those thorns of judgment spiking through the various uh, pits of environment around us. Yeah, we use them as bridges and things like that. And uh, we get a whole bunch of new enemies here too, which is quite cool. We get some sort of gargoyle-looking things. Um, 
both with great swords and great axes to switch up and some halberdy ones. Cool stuff. And we also get these little flamey dudes that poke out the ground and shoot fireballs at you. Yep, that's right. Yes. Yeah, they're kind of wormy slightly. Yeah. <laughs> but they have got arms and stuff. Like They are cool. Cool design. Cool to see quite such a lot of enemy variation this early on in the game yeah. as well. Definitely I didn't have even half a chance to start feeling bored of fighting the things I was fighting before they'd given me something new to fight, which is... Uh, yeah. Very gratefully received. So we work our way through these dried up trenches, killing enemies along the way. And we actually, one of the missiles is actually in a sort of capsized boat that's sort of now um, on the cliffs where the... Uh, that's right. Where the trenches have dried up. It's quite neat. But uh, we end up going through some some more trenches and stuff. We end up in another ominous looking boss arena type room, don't we? Yeah, big round rooms are not a good sign in this game. No, nor are big square rooms or big rectangular rooms. Big rooms in general. You, you can see them coming. <laughs> and uh, we have boss fight number three here, which is a big old lumbering sort of guy <laughs> who <laughs> starts off with twin daggers, but eventually gets a big old great axe, and he's called the Insatiable Despot. Yeah, and this reminded me of uh, kind of a little bit like the Capra Demon from uh, from Dark Souls as well. There's Phase a, one, know, yeah. Like a, there is a passing resemblance there. There is, and in terms of the way I fought it, at least, uh, oh, you won't get the reference. Uh, there's a boss in Dark Souls 2 that that I don't want to talk about because Will hasn't played the game yet, but that you fight in a similar way to this in that you just sort of basically run around his legs and just hack his legs and then roll through oh, his right. legs. And He does have a an ability where he can summon in a mob or two to come help him, but these mobs, yeah. they die in like two or three hits, I think. God, I don't think I even really noticed them if he did call he them. Might, he might not have summoned them for you. If you were that quick on him, Like he sometimes doesn't. This was... Probably one of the easier fights that I've encountered so far in the game, obviously excluding the uh, the tutorial boss. Lots of nice predictable move patterns. He does hit hard, he does but hit by hard. that point you've got quite a few healing items and things, so you can typically kind of... You can't tank through the fight, but you can heal through the fight if you need to. Yeah, and as you say, his moves are quite telegraphed. You can get out of the way quite easily. This was one of the boss fights that I actually didn't co-op with James, and I actually got to toy around with the companion system a little bit, and I took... Uh, what's his name? Jackamo? Yakamo, Yakamo yeah. into the big fight. yak, yeah. yeah he'll ne he'll never let you down, big yak. Never gonna let you down. The range of companions you can get by the end of the game is quite cool. That's all I'll say for now. Um, but yeah, this fight, as we also intimated there, one of the more simple boss fights. Pretty straightforward. His phase two, uh, he just gets a little bit more aggressive, right? If there was a phase two. I didn't really notice a huge change up. He gets a little bit more aggressive and he combines his two blades together into a great axe. Yes, that's right. Um, but yeah, that's really it. And he, I think he does an attack where he hits the ground and some blood sort of snakes at you. And it's really easy to avoid. I do remember that. Yes, it kind of, yeah, the blood stuff, it travels along the ground yeah. and hits you. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. not very effective, really. But no, so uh, by the sounds of it, we both kicked his ass pretty easily. <laughs> yep, yep, moving swiftly on. And we're then actually treated to a little cheeky cut scene of... Uh, well, really, we hear some singing, don't we? We hear like a we singing do. woman and yeah. we go to explore what's going on. And what we see is we see a l another lady, another busty lady. Stacked, yes. obviously. Yeah. We should just, we don't need to mention that at this point. Yeah. I feel like it's more like exception to the rule. It's like we, we encounter this, uh, believe it or not, a very, very flat-chested lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's probably how we should do it going forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she is um, sort of kneeling in front of a man holding a big old sword and she's singing and looking quite happy really and this man has got a contraption in his hand that looks kind of like a pineapple with spikes on it <laughs> yeah like a blue yeah. icy pineapple blue icy pineapple <laughs> and uh, he's clearly used that to kill a revenant 
in some way don't don't quite know the details just yet and what he then does is he waits for the lady to finish up with her song and then stabs her in the chest with this pineapple yeah it's got like yeah with the spiky leaves of the pineapple yeah and it's sort of ingested whatever's happened to this contraption is ingested by the lady and us being the good party of people that we are we're like you stop it you prick yep bit late at that point we have just watched her you know take a massive pineapple to the chest yeah that's not a sentence you thought you'd be saying today is it <laughs> no <laughs> yeah and uh basically we get absolutely no closure on who these guys are or what they're doing they just disappear into thin air never to be seen again question mark <laughs> very unlikely <laughs> but they do leave a pile of ash behind which is uh obviously and, and much like vampires as well it's one thing we haven't mentioned in this game there has been you know a couple couple death scenes at this point in the game when they do die the revenants like vampires also turn into ash although of course revenants can die and come back to life because of um their gimmick which is a boar parasite inside them brings them back to life right. it's when the parasite inside them gets killed that they then turn into ash and are never to be seen again. Ah, and this dude, this hunter guy, he's killing these people for real because the parasite lives in their heart, is that right? And I he's destroying so, their yes. heart. Yeah, he's killing these guys for real, for real. Yes, but why? What's his reasons? He wants all the blood for himself, there can only be one. I mean, there's a good way to solve the blood shortage, isn't it? <laughs> I'm saying nothing, my lips are sealed. Are you liking the way I'm thinking? <laughs> yes, I am. But what does that mean? <laughs> So at this point, once they've disappeared, we can then backtrack down the pit that I spoke about earlier with the sort of spike bridge that you can descend into. Not forgetting to activate the elevator when you're down there, because God, that would be painful to have to do all that again every time. <laughs> yes, this game has a lot of shortcuts and elevator unlocks and things like that. Again, very similar to Dark Souls. Yeah. Also, along our adventure, we meet Mia Karnstein and her constantly near-blood frenzy brother, Nicola. Odd choice for a young boy child, Nicola, but uh, we'll, we'll move swiftly along. And where we meet Mia in this area that we've dropped down to is called the Howling Pit. And it's kind of an underground reservoir, I suppose, is probably the best way to put it. But it's more like, yeah. it's somewhere between a sewer and like a boggy swampy area. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Much more underground areas. Yeah, much more underground. It's like different levels of water that have enemies hiding under the water levels and stuff like that. And to traverse through this level, basically, you have to just walk around, killing stuff, lighting torches, lowering and raising water levels at various points to get to where you need to go, finding keys. It made keys. me think a tiny bit of the ground level of Blighttown, minus the poison of the lake. But there's like a lot of sort of water area that you have to navigate through and deal with the fact you're being slowed down by waist high water levels. Yeah, that's that's quite a fair comparison. Yeah, and it's got that sort of aesthetic. It's not quite as bleak. Dark and gloomy. <laughs> but yeah. it is yeah, it's that sure. sort of aesthetic, yeah. And this is an area that I did solo and also co-opted with Will. And uh, fighting through this area, we do meet Mia. She's trying to get blood, uh, blood beads for Nicola because he's, as Will said, in a constant state of near frenzy. And we actually ask her if she wants to join us. And she says, no, gonna gonna jam, but thanks anyway. Too busy looking after her brother at that point. Exactly. God, that brother's really getting in the way. Need a plot device to get rid of him so Mia can join the team. Oh, and yet another brilliant segue by Will. We then, as we're approaching another ominous looking sort of wide open area... We hear some screaming. <laughs> it's Mia and Anguish screaming, Nicola! And uh, we rush to see what's going on. And who do we see standing over a pile of ash with Nicola's hat on it? None other than our good friend, the mysterious hunter with his pineapple. That's right. He's finished off Nicola. He has. And once again, we rush to try and get this motherfucker. And he just disappears into thin air. 
never to be seen again question mark (laughs) and uh at this point we're sort of trying to comfort Mia a little bit but then a rumbling under the water a spike appears swims around a bit like a shark fin as we are greeted with the sort of standard vampire-esque organ when a boss arrives in the arena Uh, a spear comes out the ground it impales itself into the ground and then we meet our (laughs) second sexy lady boss the pole dancer pole dancer (laughs) (laughs) this game clearly thought hey you know it's been at least 15 minutes since we had some big anime titties on the screen (laughs) so it here's a pole dancer boss and literally in her opening cutscene bit she sort of gesticulates at you yeah just her hips at you on the pole god damn good times and a lot of her moveset actually involves spinning around on this goddamn pole as well yeah like if you take away the sort of pervertedness of it is actually really well done this is yeah this this was a boss fight that gave us quite a bit of challenge on our co-op runs with this and uh yeah she has a very good very heavily varied moveset uh really this was a one of the strongest bosses i've played in a long time very good yes and uh so she's called the invading executioner but we're probably going to refer to her as pole dancer lady probably just pole dancer lady yeah, yeah. and uh water based a lot of water based attacks lots of water based attacks and whereas the butterfly of delirium's gimmick was poisoning us this boss's gimmick was slowing us down which is one of the reasons why this is one of the harder bosses that we fought in our first sort of play here for sure not only attacks not only your dodges and it will drop you down to a whole new class of slow dodge so instead of doing your cool quick step you will suddenly clumsily roll around the floor instead exactly that also your healing is bad it's really hard to deal with. And the attack that puts you at most risk of being slowed is one where she spins rapidly around on her pole and kind of coats the whole surrounding area in kind of blobs of water. Yeah. And if you take too many hits from those blobs and your resistance isn't high enough, then you'll uh, you'll get slowed pretty damn quickly. Yeah, literally can happen in about two hits. Absolutely. If you're not yeah, careful. if you don't have high resistance, for sure. Yeah. And as Will mentioned there, we had a fair few attempts at this one in our cut run. Again, solo and this isn't a brag it's just weird but i did it first time i always find these even on Elden ring and souls and stuff i always find the fights harder on co-op than on single i don't know what it is yeah i know what you mean i think there's it's weird how the bosses aggro to you when you're co-oping i feel like with partners it's a little bit more consistent a bit more easy yeah yeah you can't do that kind of easily predictable aggro trade that you can do on souls for sure it's not that easy no which is which is only a good thing because you know we've made a mockery out of certain Bloodborne and Dark Souls bosses yeah. by doing that. Looking so, at you, you know. Maria. <laughs> yeah. Oh god damn! I feel bad for uh, Renala. She's not a hard boss anyway. Oh, god. But I actually did have a fight with uh, Shadow Liam on Elden Ring where she didn't get out a single move in her second stage. She just stood there being staggered repeatedly yeah, by imagine. sort of overhead. <laughs> yeah. Couple of big swingy weapons just knocking her about. Yeah, geez. good shit. Good That's shit. That's what we like to hear. None of that with the invading executioner though. And no. uh, the thing that got us the most of this was she hits hard. She does, like, yeah. Two shots, you can be dead. And she has attacks which straight up do just have two parts to the move, where the first one, you're lucky if you survive it. It's a guaranteed death if you don't miss that second part. Yeah, and uh, she got us good a few times. And as simple as that, 
It was. It's a very good fight, though. It's tough but fair. Some of the things that you think might be bullshit, if you actually look at the animations, it's totally legitimate. The biggest example for me of that is she does a sliding attack where she can sort of slide along the ground up to, I think, three times. We never got a three-timer, I don't think, but... Thank God we didn't get three times. Initially, you'd think if you're standing behind her and she does it, it shouldn't hit you because you're behind her. But actually, if you look at the animation, she swings her scythe back and knocks it into the ground behind her before she sets right. off. So it makes perfect sense. You can't argue with it. I, I have done, but you can't. But yeah, really good fight. And the satisfaction when we finally got it was uh, pretty epic, wasn't it, Will? It was, it was. Yeah, no, that was a that was a nice moment to end it on. And uh, I did progress a little bit further this morning, but uh, that was pretty much at the point where we put it down together as part of our co-op run. It was. And actually, to be fair, it's pretty much the end of our section for Completionist Corner, really. Because after we've defeated the uh, invading executioner, we find Mia again, who's sort of devastated by the fact that Nicola's gone. Understandably. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, a little totally brother. Understandably, yeah. <laughs> and to really compound it all, she actually starts to frenzy at this point. I guess just out of sadness and because she'd given the blood bead that we'd sort of given to her all of it to Nicola. That's right. So she was yes. really thirsty at this point. So we actually then uh, sort of take her back to home base, look after her, and nurse her back to health. And uh, she kind of has a dream while she's with us. That And she sees Nicola walking with the hunter sort of across a snowy path. And uh, then she wakes up. And as she's exploring where she is, because she doesn't know where she is at this point, she sees right. a picture of the snowy area on the side of like our planning board where our map is and things and gives us this whole spiel about, I will do anything to help you if you can just take me there. And there's this whole touching bit. She joins our party, handshakes all round. We have a third companion and she actually tells us where we need to go because as Will mentioned briefly at the start, we're actually we're looking for the source of where all these blood springs are coming from. And our search so far had taken us to all these areas we've been, but then we're all pointing back to the city ruins. But we'd explored all of that, right? Well, according to Mia, there's a mechanism inside a statue of a goddess that we'd passed that when activated will lower a secret ladder. So we go back to the park ruins, we find this statue, we lower the secret ladder, climb said secret ladder, and we end up at the Cathedral of the Sacred Blood, which is where we're going to leave our tale for this week. I'm very much looking forward to continuing our story over the next couple of episodes. I think we'll probably mark this. This uh, could even stretch into a three-parter there. It's, uh, we've had a few two-parters now for a while, so I think it would be nicer to take a little deeper look into this and uh, give this game the time it warrants. No, I'm looking forward to seeing how you get on, man. I think it's safe to say you've enjoyed your first outing. 100%. Yes. No, having good good time with this game so far. Let's hope it stays that way. But with all that said, James, that comes to the end of Completionist Corner and to the end of another episode of Total Pod Mode. Once again, for the people in the back, let's lay out the socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. And whilst you're there, you can find me at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. And you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash hoodafunk. Okay, James, it's time to close off the episode. A very special thank you to all of our listeners. We appreciate you once again, as always. Much love to the listening fam. And we'll see everyone next week. See you later, guys. Until then, goodbye.